Flourish Church podcast, a gospel-centered, multi-ethnic church from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, dedicated to helping you flourish in your faith. For more information about our mission and how you can get involved, please visit www.uflourishchurch.org. Good morning. It is so good to be together with you. My name's Ronaldo. I'm one of the pastors uh, here, and it's, it's just an honor it's a privilege to, to open up the Word of God with you. Before we jump into our time together, would you uh, meet the Lord with me in prayer? Glorious God, God, you are holy, holy, holy. And yet you, you meet us. God, you love us. Lord, your love for us is so vast that you would come down, that you would tear heaven open and come down. God, I ask that you in your kindness, in your power, in your majesty, in your grace, God, that you would invade this place this morning. God, I ask for the transformation of lives through your holy and perfect word. God, we come to you, we submit this time into your perfect and holy hands. In your glorious name I pray, Jesus. Amen. I'm, I'm a little bit different when I get on an airplane. It, it might be that I don't travel as often as other people do, but I'm a little different when I get on an airplane, especially right before takeoff, when the, when the flight attendant is giving instructions, right? Because when the flight attendant is giving instructions, my eyes are locked. My eyes are locked into what this person is saying, right? And I look around, right? And there's a clown over here on his phone updating his fantasy football team. And somebody else over here is playing Sudoku. And someone else is immersed on a novel that they didn't know existed until they walked through the airport and picked it up. And now they think that what's happening in this novel is more important than what this person is saying. And here's what's running through my mind. Listen, if this thing doesn't work out, <laughs> you and me are inside of this metal tube. And we humans, we do not have wings. This is not going to work out. Gravity ain't your friend. And this person, and this person is telling us precisely what to do if this thing doesn't work out and you think right now is the time to update your fantasy football team, it's not even real. Listen, in case of an emergency, in case of an emergency, in case things don't go the way we expected, this flight attendant is giving us instructions on what it is that we should do. And for today's sermon, I will be your flight attendant. 
And, and in case of an emergency, here's your instructions. We're in a sermon on the mount, and your instructions are not from me, but from the author of the Sermon on the Mount. His opening words say this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, that is your instructions if this thing does not go the way that we intend it to go. Right, think about that with me for a minute, right? If you find yourself in a place of devastation, if you find yourself in a place during this sermon of complete devastation, if you find yourself internally and inwardly wrecked, how blessed is the spiritually impoverished How blessed is the poor in spirit? How blessed is the one who realizes they cannot get it together on their own and they have to cry out with with, with hands in front cupped open as a beggar for the presence and power and salvation of God. So if you find yourself in a situation of being completely devastated at Jesus' words, you're in a good place. If you find yourself flexing, thinking everything's all right, in the words of the great Flavor Flav, I can't do nothing for you, man. Here we go. Right, Jesus has been given instructions. He has been explaining, and, 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 and he said, listen, I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. And because I came to fulfill the law, you better not take away any of what the law actually has to say. In fact, we pick up in verse 20. He says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. We pick up right after that. But here's what he just said to us. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the teachers, the scribes, the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Theirs was a superficial righteousness. Theirs was a letter of the law righteousness. There was, here is the law. I did that. I am good. But Jesus says you have to exceed that. Pick up with me in verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge 
and the judge the guard, and you'll be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Jesus says this. Listen, you and I are called to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and scribes who can keep the law at face value. But then he says this, verse 21, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. You shall not murder, right? Jesus begins with that. And many would quickly step up and say, great, I ain't ever killed anybody. I have never killed anybody. But before we jump in a little further, I want to talk to you about the preciousness of life, which murder undoes. Listen, when my mom was still alive, my mom passed away somewhere between the height of four foot 11 and five feet tall. She was little. She was always little. And when she was born, she was the youngest of three. So not only was she naturally little, she was the little one of a bunch of little ones. So at times, she just looked like a toy. And once upon a time, they were out somewhere, and one of her uncles was playing with her, right? And as he's playing with her, he kind of begins tossing her up in the air. And her mom, my grandma, didn't like that. Listen, you want to do that with your child, that's fine. But that was not his child. That was my grandmother's child, and she didn't want that. Now, she didn't want to make things awkward for anybody, but she didn't want that to keep happening. So as my mom is being thrown up in the air, the youngest of three, the only girl, my grandmother walks over and says, you know, I only got one of those. And he immediately stopped. You know, I only got one of those. That's the preciousness of human life, right? God looks around at every singular individual and he says, you know, I only got one of those. There's no replacement. If that one breaks, there's no second try. I only have one of those. So even though there's billions of us, we need to look around and recognize that there's only one of each one. And so we better not hurt them. We better not do that. And the way that the Old Testament put that together is by saying, you will not murder. 
And if you do, you will answer. There is an answer for this because you broke that which is not replaceable. So Jesus says this, now you have heard that it was said, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, but I say to you, before we jump in into what he says to you, I want you to catch the beauty of who's talking. I want you to catch the majesty, the grandeur of the one who just said, but I say to you. You see, the law that Jesus is quoting was written by Moses. Moses came 430 years, right? That is more than four centuries. That is 43 decades after Abraham. Now, here's what I want you to hear. When Jesus was walking around on this earth, one time people got very upset with him because he said, listen, before Abraham was born, I am. Right? So here's one who came before Abraham, 430 years before the law. And he says, I was already there. I was already there. So when the law came, when the law was spoken by God, these are his words. The author of the law has now stepped into human history to explain what the law intends. And he says this, you've heard it was said, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment, but I say to you, but I say to you, I, the author of the law, contend that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. I expressed to you already the preciousness of human life. We only got one of those. And Jesus says, then, of course, obviously, we can all agree on the wrongfulness of murder. You've heard that it was said, you shall not murder. But then Jesus does this. Jesus goes inside, right? Jesus goes inside. Jesus unzips your chest. Right, he unzips your chest and he rips you wide open and he goes inside. He goes inside and he starts crawling inside with a microscope and he starts saying, let's see what's here on the inside, right? Because those on the outside cannot judge what's on your inside, but I can, I see that. Even though the world is not able to see that, Jesus says, I can. Not only am I obviously able to see that, but I'm also able to equate that which causes murder with actual murder. Listen to what he does. He says, if you murder, you are liable to judgment. You are subject to judgment. You will answer for it. And he says, but if you're angry 
or that which causes murder, you will be liable to judgment. It's the same outcome. You and I only act on that which is outside. Jesus goes, I can see better. I can see further. I can see deeper. I can not only see the murder, I can see that which caused it. And they are not at all different. They're the same. It's the same thing. Now imagine you and I. Imagine you take me to court for being angry with you, right? And the judge goes, well, what evidence do you have? Well, his anger, right? That's not, that's not admissible in a court of law. You can't have exhibit A, here's my anger, right? This little furry, like red thing going. We can't judge that. An earthly courtroom is incapable of judging that. But Jesus says, listen, it is insufficient. It is insufficient to not merely pull a trigger. What you have got to address is the problem deep inside that brings about that external action and causes murder. Many of us have not pulled a trigger and are sitting inside of a penitentiary, but that which causes the same thing lies latent inside of every one of us. It's dormant inside. And Jesus says, if you are angry, if you harbor this bitterness and rage against somebody else, you are answerable to the same judgment as somebody that actually pulled the trigger. And if you insult your brother, you'll be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you are liable to the fires of hell. If you tell somebody they're worthless and they believe it, What's the difference? You only pull a trigger at something that is not worthy of having life. Sometimes we pull the trigger like this. Sometimes we pull it like this. And it comes out of the same stuff that's inside. And Jesus says it is not different. You can hide it from everybody else. But the maker of the universe sees right through it. He says, it is right in there. Verse 23. So, I love that word. So, it's so little. But we're going to drag it out a little bit. We're going to put extra O's in there so that you get its importance. So, in light of what has just been said, Here's what you're supposed to do. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now, I want you to catch how extreme this is. Jesus says, listen, here's the problem. The problem is murder, right? The problem is you thinking another human that bears the image of God is worthless, right? 
the problem is inside and it's that anger and it's that rage and it's got to go, Jesus is saying, because the punishment for it is the same as actual murder. There's no difference. So if you find yourself in a place where you are giving a gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave it there. Leave it there. First, go, bring about reconciliation, and then come. We don't do that. We play mental games. We go, God and I are cool. God and I are cool. I'm wrecking all of these horizontal relationships. I'm wrecking everybody that's near me, but God and I are cool. Jesus goes, you aren't. First, first. Now, here's the beauty of what Jesus said. He's probably saying this. He's probably having this conversation in Galilee. Do you know where the altar is? The altar's in the temple, which is in Jerusalem, 80 miles away, 80 miles. For those of you that haven't caught it yet, they didn't have cars back then. You got to walk that, right? Jesus says, listen, if you're about to present something to God in Jerusalem, which you've pilgrimaged there, Right, you've already made your way there. You're about to offer something to God and all of a sudden you remember that your brother's got something against you. You better go back to Galilee. Leave that gift there. Somebody might take it. Leave your gift there. It might get stolen, but you better walk the 80 miles that is necessary and remedy and fix and right and take away the wrong and reconcile the earthly relationship between you and another bearer of the image of God. You know, he's only got one of those. And you need to go back. You need to fix. You need to reconcile that and then, and then you come back and you offer your gift. He continues, verse 25, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with them to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penalty. Let's take a running start and see what's going on. Jesus says, you've heard it was said, you shall not murder, but I'm saying to you that what's happening inside of you, that anger and that rage is the same. So here's what you gotta do. You've got to remedy that earthly relationship. Before you come to the altar, you remedy that relationship, right? You gotta do whatever it takes. Now, these verses that we jump into now give us the urgency of that. It needs to be quick. Come to terms quickly, right? The assumption here is that you are in the wrong. Verse 26 says you're not getting out until you have dropped that last penny that you owe. 
right? Now, I want you to see the justice of God. I want you to see the justice of Jesus. He is not just merely overlooking injustices that are happening. He will make every one of them answer, right? And now the problem that you and I face is that you and I are a part of that injustice. So Jesus is saying, remedy it quickly, devote urgency, right? Get your runner, your, your roadrunner feet on and you better rush to that. There's an urgency that is necessary to make this about, right? We can read the 10 commandments and go, thou shall not murder. And many of us go, cool, cool. I'm good on that one. And Jesus says, you better hold up. You better take a closer look. You better microscope it. You better see what's truly going on inside of your soul. Because that same anger, right? That same anger that puts people in death row, right? That same anger that causes people to do life, that's inside you. You got that. And you might dodge an earthly prison, but you can't dodge the all-seeing judge. You can't, you can't cause him to miss. He continues. Verse 27, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Listen, we've already covered that this is the all-seeing judge, the righteous, rightful king and judge of the universe. You and I can skip the, 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 the outward earthly consequences if we don't actually murder someone. But, the, but that inner rage, the speech, that, that, that those thoughts continue and you're liable, you are answerable to the same. So he continues and you're gonna see the same framework. You've heard that it was said, but I say, and then what we're supposed to do afterwards. So you see it here, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, right? Jesus goes right back to the 10 commandments. You have heard it long ago was said, you shall not commit adultery. You must be faithful to your spouse. And we go, we're in agreement here. But Jesus goes, I, the author of those words, I, who etched those words in a stone and gave them to Moses, right? I, the author of it all, but I say to you, I say to you that 
everyone without exception that looks at another lustfully, that looks at another inappropriately, that looks at another with, 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 with lustful longings and desires for them. Adultery has already been committed inside you, even if it doesn't happen outside. Jesus goes, it's the same thing. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you, that's what's happening inside is liable to the same judgment. What is happening inside is just as if it was happening externally. So if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Like, tear it out and flush it. Pluck it out and throw it in the garbage. But it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Now, I want you to see how different Jesus' solution is than my upbringing was. Right, because I went to a lot of church growing up, and here was the solution, right? If your eye causes you to stumble, you ask the person that you are stumbling over to dress differently. We create rules, we create rules about what women can and cannot wear. We get little rulers out and say, this far is okay, but that's not, right? We start measuring distances between knee and bottom of skirt to address this problem. We came up with a whole set of guidelines. Every institution, Christian institutions, Christian colleges, preachers preaching on this. Now, listen, I'm not condoning people to wear whatever they want. I'm not condoning women to dress seductively. I'm not saying go ahead and do that. I'm not, conduct, I'm not condoning people just bearing it all. But I want to point you to what Jesus actually said. I want to point you to what he had said. If you're right, if it's your right eye, you deal with it, right? If it's your right hand, you address it. Right? You do not begin policing others in what they can and can't do. You do not begin to govern what everybody else is doing. It. You deal with your own problem. You address it. And here's what he says. If it's your right eye, pluck it out. I want you to see the seriousness of sin. Right? We tend to play it down. We tend to play it down because it's so ubiquitous. It's so everywhere. We go, it can't be that bad. But Jesus says, listen, if there's this sin inside you, you need to take drastic measures. If it's your right eye causing the sin, it's got to go. If it's your right hand causing your sin, amputate it. Grab a saw and just cut it off. Here's the seriousness of that. You'd be better off in this life without that hand than keeping that hand 
and answering for it eternally. Now listen to me, right? Right eyes do not cause sin and right hands do not cause sin. Here's what's never happened to me in my life. It, this has never happened in, 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 in world history, right? Something's chilling over here that, that is of value, right? Gold, nice pair of sneakers, right? Keys to a nice car. And I'm just having a fine conversation over here with somebody, and I don't even care that it's over there. But then all of a sudden, my right hand doesn't even tell the rest of my body, but it just jumps right out, right? Hits me across the face to make me vulnerable, then drags me all the way over here, takes it, snatches it in my back pocket while nobody's looking, and then pushes me away. My right hand has never done that, right? Your hand does not cause you to sin. But what Jesus is saying is this, whatever it is, it does not matter the cost. It doesn't matter how precious it is to you, whatever it might be. If there is something going on that is causing you to sin, that has to be amputated. That has got to get plucked out because of the seriousness of this. It's got to go. Because if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it. If your right hand causes you to sin, amputate it. Now listen, I began by saying this. that I'm gonna be your flight attendant. And in case of an emergency, I want you to hang to the words, how blessed are the poor in spirit. Because Jesus just went inside and started poking around. I remember when I was, when I was about to buy my first house, I don't know anything about houses, but I have a friend who's a contractor so I said, hey, will you come with me? Will you help me look at these houses? So we would go and, and, and I would see anything that looked off and I would start panicking. I'd be like, what's up with that? He's like, I can fix that. What's up with that? That just needs a new paint job. What's up with this, right? And I kept doing that. And then one day we found this house and it was gorgeous. I couldn't believe I was actually gonna be able to afford this. I'm floored. It's beautiful, it, was all, it had it all going on. And then we go in the basement and we're looking around and I don't, I don't notice anything wrong. I don't notice anything wrong. And he goes, come here, do you see that basement wall? I'm like, yup. He's like, do you see how it's got a little belly? I'm like, a whole lot of people got bellies. <laughs> and he said that has the ability to wreck everything. I didn't even notice it. I didn't see it as a problem. He said, Ronaldo, you could be looking at tens of thousands of dollars to just fix that little basement wall. I didn't even see it. I didn't even notice it. And here's what Jesus got going on. 
listen, there's some things going on inside that you may not have noticed. There's some things that are going on inside that you might have said, but everybody got a belly. There's some things going on inside that you have underestimated how serious this is. So back to me being flight attendant, back to me being the flight attendant, in case of an emergency, if you're looking at these words of Jesus, if you're looking at these words of Jesus and say, Jesus, I, 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 just, I, I can't hold up with that. I, it's already too late for me. I've already blew it there. I've already messed up with that. Then the words for you are how blessed are the poor in spirit. How blessed are the poor in spirit. How blessed is the spiritual beggar. How blessed is the spiritually impoverished that says, Lord, I can't. It's too late for me. I have no hope outside of you, and I am in need of a Savior. The spiritually impoverished with cupped hands, awaiting, knowing that God became a human being and died a gruesome and brutal death because of these realities inside you. His love was so vast. His love was so grand. His love was so massive for you. You, the one with the anger inside. You, the one with the lust inside. You, the one with the greed inside. You, the one with the selfishness inside. He did that for you. How blessed, how blessed is the one who is spiritually impoverished. How blessed are the poor in spirit. How blessed is the one that comes to Jesus to say, Jesus, I need your gift of salvation. I need your cross. I need your forgiveness of my sin. How blessed, how blessed are the poor in spirit because to them belongs the kingdom of heaven. Would you pray with me? Lord God, Jesus, we, you're, you're the maker of the law. And God, when we're honest, we all come up short. None of us make it. But Jesus, we wanna cling to your words. We wanna cling to your words, how blessed are the poor in spirit. Lord, we wanna anchor ourselves in the absolute need the absolute need of your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. Jesus, we're desperately in need of you. We love you. We trust you. Lord, I wanna entrust every person here into your magnificent, holy hands. In your name, amen. We've had the opportunity to, to worship in song. We have to, the opportunity to, to, to worship through the word and, and, and we now transition to a time of, of worshiping through giving. We, it's of deep importance to us here 
that, that no one ever gives out of guilt, out of pressure, out of feeling like there's, there's just massive importance as we have just looked at of what's happening in the heart. So Jesus explains that, 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 that he loves a cheerful giver. But as we transition into this time of giving, here at You Flourish, there, there are three ways to give, right? You can, you can hop on our, on our website, helping you flourish. You can, you can scan the back of the, 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 the card in, in the back in front of you, and, and you can give that way. You can text to give. By, if you text the number 84321, you can text the dollar amount to that. But there's a last way to give, and that's in person. And we wanna invite everybody uh, to do that. We're gonna have two ushers right here in, in, in just a moment that we each have a bucket uh, in front, right? And we wanna, we wanna ask, as ushers will dismiss you from the back, as ushers dismiss you from the back, we wanna ask that you just come down this center aisle and then that you just walk around back to your seat during the side aisles. And, but during this time, and we wanna invite, even if you're giving a different way, even if you're not giving, we don't care about that, right? If you're, uh, we, we want everyone to participate because we also wanna give people the chance for prayer. Laura is right over here. She would love the opportunity to pray with you. I, uh, we just covered how blessed, how blessed are the poor in spirit. If, if that's where you are today, Laura would love to pray with you. We would love to pray with you. We would love to be in prayer with you. Dee Dee's gonna join her. We would love to be in prayer with you. And we wanna create that opportunity for you. And so we wanna invite everyone to do that. Um, I will now leave you in the auspice of our ushers.